0: We know this story. We know it probably as the parable of the prodigal son. The title we give to this parable (laughs) takes our attention on that younger son, the one who takes his inheritance, who wastes it all in reckless living, who finds himself in need and comes back and begs forgiveness and is accepted That's where the title draws us. But if you think about it, the son is perhaps the least interesting character in the story because he starts the story self-interested, perhaps because of his father's indulgence, and he ends the story, as far as we can tell, no better, being lavished with praise. We don't see a complete transformation in him. The Chapter of Luke's gospel account that this comes from, Luke 15, is a chapter all about lostness. And you heard how the chapter begins with uh, the tax collector, excuse me, with the Pharisees and the scribes, the religious leaders grumbling because Jesus is eating with sinners. And so it is in response to their grumbling that Jesus tells the parable But he tells two parables first. He tells the parable of the lost coin and the parable of the lost sheep. And now this third parable. And I'll suggest to you that the climax of them all only comes to us at the very end of the chapter when Jesus lays out for us a choice. And it's the choice that we see embodied in the older son, not the younger son. And so maybe a better title for this parable would be the parable of the two lost sons because even though we don't talk about it very often, even though we usually focus on the younger son, the older son is just as lost as his younger brother. When his brother asked for his share of the inheritance, the brother had pretty much said to his father, you know, I wish you were already dead, but since I can't get rid of you, would you go ahead and give me the money that's coming to me when you do kick the bucket? Because I got a life to live and I'm not interested in letting you stand in my way, old man. And when the, when the son comes back and asks forgiveness and asks for mercy and receives it, I bet every person here can understand why the older son reacted the way that he did and said, look, father, this son of yours who wasted your property has come back and you kill the fatted calf for him. I've worked for you like a slave. I've never asked anything for you from you. I've never disobeyed you. You've never even given me a goat to celebrate a barbecue with my friends. Why do you do this? I'm not going in. I want nothing to do with him. And with those words, we see just how lost that older brother is. Because the older brother like the Pharisees and the scribes, the religious elites, and like most of us, I bet, thinks of God the way we think of just about everything else in the world, that we live in a system of limited resources. Time is short. Money is tight. We have to make sacrifices. Will we go to Disney World or will we save for college? Will we work another year or will we retire early? Will we eat out tonight or will we have a peanut butter and jelly sandwich? We live our lives. We've been formed in a world that reminds us that resources are limited. But that's not how it is in God's world. In God's world, at God's banquet table, there's always room for one more. But the problem is that that seat at the table isn't reserved for people who have worked as hard as you or me who've been as good as you or me, who've gone to church on Wednesday nights, even on a beautiful day like this, like you and me. It's reserved for someone we don't think deserves it. And so we feel, I feel, creeping up within me that same resentment, that refusal to accept that what should be mine is being given to someone else. But to say that is to be lost. Because to say that and to think that is to fail to see that the father has love for everyone. The older brother is just as disrespectful, maybe not quite as dramatically, but he refuses to go in to the family event. And what does the father do? The father comes out and finds him and pleads with him to come in. And so we find ourselves, at that moment, when the parable ends, forced to ask ourselves, what will we do? Will we go into the banquet? The banquet that is prepared and celebrated for people whom we don't think deserve it? Or will we find ourselves on the outside looking in because we don't believe they deserve it? And as long as that's our attitude, we'll always be lost. Because we haven't heard what the Father is desperate to tell us. That we belong to. And so does everyone. Because in God's world, in God's reign, there's always room. There's always enough. There's always love.